Alright, I'm gonna sort of kind of do an intro. Yeah, that sounds great. I don't <laughs> I don't know how to do intros, so we're just gonna start. So special episode, the Radio Cure Podcast. Uh we have a real dad here after we did a uh dad playlist episode by honorary dad julie but uh we have her dad on the show he made his own dad playlist uh specifically for high school right jeff yes awesome for your high school years my high school years excellent um so first of all what did you think of your daughter's dad playlist i i loved it i thought it was uh, okay. uh i thought it was a real good sampling mm-hmm. of uh i guess uh the what i would call the khaki years <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's good <laughs> and you know i really enjoyed listening to the podcast and listening to the critique of the, of the songs i didn't necessarily agree with all the critiques uh-huh. but sure yeah it was it was really entertaining and, and i had so much fun listening to it well good good well thanks for coming on the show sure um so julie's gonna help us out here she's our uh honorary producer she's gonna play some songs for us in the background which we've never actually done for a recording of this show so oh. It might sound like shit. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but it's free, so fuck off. It's all fun. right. <laughs> um, all right. So, high school years playlist. First track, scenes from an Italian restaurant. Billy Joel. I knew Billy Joel was going to be on here. Yes. Um, not going to ask Julie to play this one because <laughs> this is a song that I never need to hear again as long as I live. <laughs> I and, and I totally get that. <laughs> I have a list of songs that, and it's not anything to do with the quality of the songs, but there's just things I don't ever need to hear again. Yes. I've heard them so many times. Right. I And, and number one on that list would probably be Hotel California. It is number one. That is yes. absolutely correct. Uh, what else is there? I've got a Lowrider. I don't need to hear that again. Okay. I get that. Lowrider. Um... I can't think of any at the top of my head. Are there any songs you feel like you just don't need to hear again, regardless of whether or not you liked it ever? Or Oh, you know, it's funny. Uh, the older I get, uh, the more tolerant I get to mm. uh, really bad music. I, you know, I, my, I, I cast a much wider net mm. the older I get. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's uh, dying brain cells mm-hmm. or... Uh, uh, I guess uh, a, a softening heart. I, oh, I like the Grinch. That's a, that's you know, a, that's a nicer the, way of looking. I at think it. The, the the heart grows three times size, mm-hmm. and you know you're you're willing yeah. to listen to ABBA and bread. You know, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to when that happens to me. <laughs> Maybe it is something that happens because um, my parents uh, they like see every movie that comes out. Uh huh. And they just love all movies now. All, all, they're all good. They're all good. Yeah. So maybe it does just happen. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all good. <laughs> so yeah, Seeds for Italian Restaurant, not a bad song. I personally don't ever need to hear it again. I had a roommate who liked dressing in suits. He loved this song. Julie knows him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was not surprised to see Billy Joel on here. Yes. Um, now, the next one. Uh, we got some meatloaf 
Meatloaf, Mr. Loaf. Mr. Loaf himself. Yes. Which I was pretty excited to hear. Uh, off the album Bad Out of Hell, which, is that the only Meatloaf album? I honestly don't know. Oh, it's no. the only one I've ever heard of. It, it was his best album ever. Uh, I mean, the quality of Meat, Mr. Loaf's work uh, quickly deteriorated after <laughs> that first album. It did. And, um, <laughs> and that album was really... Uh, uh, Meatloaf takes a lot of credit for having written those songs, which he uh-huh. did not write. Oh, he did. But but you you can see interviews where he will he will lay claim and credit to Is writing the songs, whereas the songs were all written by Jim, Jim Steinman. Oh, okay, uh, I did not know this. And uh, uh, I just kind of get the feeling that Meatloaf kind of has bullied Jim Steinman over the years. Jim Steinman is this very sensitive, small in stature guy. Okay. And I think uh, the big bully kind of stole yeah. his thunder. The big uh, meat. The big meat. Yes. Uh, but the, but it re- really all of this was uh, from a writing standpoint, the genius of Jim, Jim Steinman. Okay. The whole album. And from a production standpoint, Todd Rundgren. Oh, now that's a name I know. I, I did Play, not know this. Plays on multiple no instruments. Shit. Multiple instruments on most of the tracks, if not all of the tracks. Wow. Plus produced a lot of the songs. Wow. So, so uh, when you think of uh, the chameleon talents of Todd Rundgren, who yeah. has done everything in music from, you know, I mean, you see his name littered all over the place. He was a big influence on this record. Wow. And, and really, in my opinion was a, a big part of it being the great record that it was. Uh, but it, it was it was a record of its time. Yeah. And I uh, I was telling Julie earlier that I had... Uh, I didn't actually buy this record. I got this record at... Uh, went to a screening of Rocky Horror Picture Show, and one of the radio stations awesome. was giving out free records. I got this record free and ended up playing it to death. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. Over and over and over again. So Awesome. Julie, you want to play us a little bit of it? It's a all revved up, no place to go. Mr. Loaf. <laughs> Julie's figuring out the mute button. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Oh, yeah. This is good. This is a good song. This is great party music. I feel it was like. a yeah. It was a great song, and and interestingly enough, Meatloaf actually performed. This was one of the songs that he performed on Saturday Night Live, on his oh, appearance okay. on Saturday Night Live. Okay. Uh, he uh, it wasn't. It was kind of a, a deeper track on the album, uh, and he really couldn't. Uh, some of the other songs that were like Paradise by the Dashboard Light, which mm-hmm. is a classic song. Yeah. I don't think he did that on Saturday Night Live because it's. It was too long a track. Right. He's got some long ones, right? Yeah. That just kind of go on and on. On and on. Okay. Uh, and uh, Steinman songs are kind of like that. They're very theatrical and they mm-hmm. and they ramble on and on. Um, 
because interesting, uh, Jim Steinman then became a songwriter for Barry Manilow later on. And wow. You, and you could tell when Barry Manilow would sing a Jim Steinman song, uh-huh. it was clearly a Jim, Jim Steinman song. And then later on, he also wrote for Celine Dion. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So. This is amazing. <laughs> It's it's interesting to think that uh, the same guy wrote for Meatloaf. It's wrote for Celine Dion. Yes, you don't usually put them together. Uh, that you know that uh, a duet with Celine Dion and Meatloaf that oh. would be something else. I'm on board. We should start like yeah. a Kickstarter fund for yeah. this. So this needs to happen. Above four hundred, under one hundred. I it's awesome. Yes, beautiful. <laughs> All right, so this next one, Chameleon by. Uh, Maynard Ferguson, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording. This is your dream entrance music. Were you to be a boxer? If I were a boxer, this is what I would walk into. Yes. This is perfect. Julie, could we hear a little bit of this one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see it. <laughs> Swagger. Holding the belt. Or oh, yeah. Not me holding the belt, uh-huh. but one of my entourage yes. holding the belt in front of me. Absolutely. Yes. Just sauntering up the aisle. <laughs> this is great. Look, Butter Bean walking into Chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> Robert De Niro in Grudge Match. <laughs> <laughs> This is nice. This is a nice groove. Now, Maynard is... I have it on the high school playlist, but Maynard kind of came to me earlier. It, it came, Maynard, Maynard's music came to me probably... And, and, and the, the, the main crux of this high school list was I kind of felt to define... I have three phases of music in my life, and, and most people probably do. Mm-hmm. You have the music that is your music as a child and that's usually music that's handed to you by uncles grandparents and parents so Mm -hmm. that list has a wide range of stuff and most mostly old uh crooners and that type of thing uh although the beatles well i don't want to reveal what's down on the list but yeah no spoilers okay i uh we'll, we'll touch on that later um uh, Billy Joel makes the high school list and the khaki list. Uh, he th- transcends. He transcends two of the lists. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Maynard Ferguson came in early. It came in junior high. I had this band teacher. He was a great band teacher. He, he, my favorite teacher probably through my whole school career. Um, great guy. He, uh, I'll always uh, fondly remember him is my favorite teacher. He introduced uh, all of us band kids, us band geek kids in junior high, to Maynard Ferguson. Uh-huh. He was a trumpet player, and he loved Maynard Ferguson, and he would play his records for us uh, in band. And uh, we all just went crazy for him. Yeah. And to the point where the band teacher uh, took us all to a Maynard Ferguson concert. And Which is, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, what band teacher does that? Yeah. It, Phenomenal. It was, it, it was just incredible. Uh, and uh, just blown away. I was, it was high powered. He, uh, Maynard always had a big band with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, four trumpets, four trombones, full, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
sax section, just this big sound. He kind yeah. of the, um, and it, what's interesting is in that same year, that same band teacher uh, uh, had us all go see Buddy Rich in concert that same year. Mm. Because uh, interestingly enough, my band teacher had gone to see Buddy Rich one year before. Uh, went to went to see him in concert. Buddy Rich comes out on the drum kit, does a ten minute drum solo, and announces to the crowd that he uh, was in a con- contractual issue with his band, oh. and his band decided to walk out on him in Denver. What? Yes. <laughs> oh my so, god. So uh, uh, he he played like a 15-minute drum solo for the crowd and said, sorry, no concert. Well, how was the drum solo? I heard it was awesome. So (laughs) fast forward a year later, my band teacher tells all of us kids, Buddy Rich is going to be doing a concert, and it's going to be a free concert. Oh. So any of you who can get your parents to take you out to Adams City High School, Uh you get to see a free Buddy Rich concert. Oh, so, hell yeah. So this same band teacher clued me in to see him, Buddy Rich, which was incredible. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. Buddy Rich, in, in the same way as Maynard, had that big band sound uh-huh. and, and also had, a, a, like Maynard, would uh, do his own take on popular songs. Okay. So if you listen to the Chameleon record, uh, he does covers of all of these uh, rock and roll songs. Uh, Chameleon was, was uh, there were only like two or three songs on that record that were truly jazz songs. And, and you know, Chameleon, you could argue, is written by Herbie Hancock, but it, you could uh-huh. argue that it is not really a jazz song. Right. It's really got a, it's really yeah, more of a It funk. seems like there's like some jazz elements There's some to jazz it, elements, but... yeah. But it's really got a lot of funk going on and and the rest of the album you know he covers a lot of uh a lot of rock artists including paul mccartney and stevie wonder and very cool i'm gonna check this out that's a great i really i like this chameleon yeah it's got a great vibe to it yeah now so in your high school years did you were you going to a lot of concerts or i i did go to a lot of concerts uh 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 my uncles were really uh they went to a lot of concerts, and they would let me tag along every now and then. Cool. They took me to my first concert. Uh, I think I was seven or eight years old. Was uh, actually Joe Cocker at the no Denver shit. Coliseum. Oh, that must yes. have been fantastic. It was. It was incredible. And uh, uh, you'll love this, Jeremy. The warm-up band for Joe Cocker that night was uh, the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I can barely contain my excitement. <laughs> Like Jeffrey Lebowski, <laughs> I hate the fucking Eagles. That is, yeah. <laughs> well, now that's interesting to me that the Eagles were opening for anyone at that point. Yeah, it was right before they really right before. broke. Yeah, okay. It was probably like 1970 or 1971. So they were just on the cusp of really hitting it big. I mean, despite my extreme disdain <laughs> for the Eagles... <laughs> It fucking rules that you saw them open for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> right, so this next song, um, sorry, Julie, I'm actually going to have you play a little bit of this, too, because I don't remember what the fuck this song sounds like, so <laughs> I need a little bit of a refresher here. It's um, the science fiction double feature, Richard O'Brien. Take your time. I'll cut out the Now, science fiction paper. double feature is... 
for anybody who back in the 70s would go to the midnight showings of Rocky Horror Picture Rocky Show. Rocky Horror, right, right. The, the, the film would open. All you would see is the, the, the red lips singing. It was the red right, lips with right. the black background. This is the song that played. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just love the song. I think the, Richard O'Brien wrote most of the songs. I think all of the songs for Rocky Horror Picture Show. And the quality of the lyrics and the music that he created is really, really incredible songwriting, in my opinion. Uh, and and I, I, you know, I had I, that was another record that I played the soundtrack over and right, over again. Right. I kind of grew out of it. It, it kind of got to be silly to go to the movie. Sure, sure. Over and over again. The the only time I've seen Rocky Horror Picture Show was I saw it on cable once with advertisements mm. and I watched it by myself and you probably thought I don't this, think it counts yeah and you probably thought this this is really campy like, stupid I was like this is fucking weird yeah I was also uh, I knew nothing about it really right I was probably like 10 or 11 I was like that's an interesting title what is it exactly and I, like, I watched the whole thing and I was like I, I don't know what the I don't that it. was that was my only viewing of it ever, which is okay. sad. I, I should go to see it in the theater at some point. People dressed up. It sounds fun. It, it is fun. It was a lot of fun to do it. Uh, and it was, you know, it was one of those high school things. Uh, the, the type of, I would equate the type of crowd that went to Rocky Horror were probably what would be today's um, Harry Potter kids. Ah. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of that crowd, the sensitive artsy kids yeah and I didn't necessarily completely fit into that category mm-hmm. I kind of, I was one of these kids that was kind of a middle of the road or I was in band okay yeah. uh, I kind of floated around I was on newspaper staff I kind of floated around a few different groups yeah I couldn't really be categorized as in, in any one thing but yeah, you're uh, listening to Rocky Horror soundtrack and Meatloaf. And Meatloaf. Well, Great. Meat, well, it's funny. Meatloaf kind of is uh, offspring of Rocky Horror since uh, Meatloaf was in, in the movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I totally forgot yeah. it's in the movie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> is it Meatloaf's greatest acting performance? Uh, I don't know. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I, I, I think it does surpass his, uh, his uh, cameo in... Uh, Fight Club. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. And he gets killed, so he has a death scene. The loaf. The loaf goes down. (laughs) Loaf goes down. (laughs) At the hands of Tim Curry. (laughs) All right, so I lied. We're not actually playing a clip for that song because you refreshed my memory on it. So the next one, Hungry Heart, Bruce Springsteen. I think most people probably know this song. Yes. Um, I know you're a giant Springsteen fan. As is your daughter. I am a big Springsteen fan. I I think uh, if you you compare Springsteen and Billy Joel, I'm probably a a little bit more of a Billy Joel fan than Springsteen. All right. It's real close, but if I were to have to choose between the two, Uh the nod would probably go to to Billy Joel. But uh, Springsteen, the, the fond memory of Springsteen at that time was uh, I was on newspaper staff at high, in high school and my uh, my uh, probably my coolest teacher in high school was my high school newspaper teacher uh, and he he loved Springsteen okay and I kind of and and I, that that's where it started 
I, I started having an interest in, in listening to Springsteen because of my uh, high school teacher. And then um, later on... You had some cool-ass teachers, it sounds like. I did. I really did. Uh, this guy was great. Uh, I, this is a real tangent, and, and well, I apologize fine. for tangenting No, that's, that's, that's literally all that this podcast is, is fucking <laughs> tangents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I, I'm going to save the, the story of the high school teacher because okay. it, it will fit into a song later on the list. Okay. My high school uh, and, newspaper. And this, this song, Hungry Heart, off of uh, The River. Uh, yes. Why specifically this song for this playlist? Uh, I think it's more... Uh, there are other Springsteen songs that I love a lot more than Hungry Heart. Uh-huh. Uh, the reason why this, this particular song resonates for me and, and it came to the top of the list is when Linda and I first met and we started dating uh-huh. we uh, we both loved this song together it was really the first song that we really well I don't know if it was the first one but it was a song that really that it was a song that we both really loved we went and saw Springsteen in the summer of 80 uh, at Red Rocks and to this day that's still my favorite concert big part of why it's my favorite concert is because I was there with my future wife. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm going to get real squishy on you. Oh, here. get squishy. Uh, Love yeah, it. You know, you're there with the person you're going to spend the rest yeah. of your life with. You don't know that at the time, but uh, so this song, it's 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 about the time and the place. Yeah. Um, why this song bubbled to the top. Yeah. Uh, and it was it, it was for the river tour that he was that he was supporting this record and uh, we were second row from the top at Red Rocks. It rained the whole time. Fantastic. But, but it was uh, one of the greatest moments of my life. So, hungry heart is the song. Fantastic. That's great. <laughs> That's great. All right. So the next one we got watching the wheels. John Lennon. Watching the wheels. This one's good. Julie, why don't you go ahead and actually play a little bit of this one for us? Not because I don't know it. It's a very famous song. Everyone knows this song. Fantastic song. Are you a, a Lennon partisan? Or do you, are you? I'm. The, the funny thing is, I'm more of a Paul guy. You are okay. Yes, which is I. I know that sounds funny, but um, this album had a huge impact on me. I bought the album before John was killed. Oh wow! I bought it. Uh, I bought it probably right when it came out. It came out like in September of 1980 which was my senior year of high school mm-hmm. uh, and I love the album yeah everybody bought the album after December 8th of 1980 yeah I bought it before I listened to it for two months I loved it I fell in love with it I was so excited I was so excited that John was back yeah of course 
happened, and like everybody, mm -hmm. I was just heartbroken. Sure. Two months later. Yeah. And so this record was was a big part of my senior year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, when you listen to the record, you you. And I don't know; it's all legend, but you you feel like you you're listening to somebody who has resolved, yeah, uh, so, yeah. some of the demons in his life, yeah. And every song on that record was so hopeful, and you know, he's writing songs for his wife, he's writing yeah. songs for his son. Uh, Paul McCartney uh, later on said that the song "Beautiful Boy" off of Double Fantasy was the most perfect song that had ever been written and uh so it was it was well you know like everybody at that time when that happened everybody everybody knew when jay where they were when jfk was shot right everybody knew where they were when john lennon got shot and, yeah and uh and uh it was just such a such a sad time and mm -hmm. uh, and I remember the night I was watching Monday Night Football and Howard Cosell comes across and basically tells America that John Lennon has been killed yeah and uh, and you just could not believe it you could not believe it a beetle getting killed and uh, that night uh, when it happened I had an uncle who I mean my uncles all introduced me to the Beatles uh -huh. and uh, but I had one uncle in particular who really loved, loved John. And, uh, and so when I heard the news, I called him up and we both, uh, we both talked for about a half an hour, just commiserating about the horrible news. And, uh, so this record will always be special to me. Those songs will yeah. always, always be special to me. And then, uh, he also had, he had also, uh, with with those recordings, had recorded enough songs for the follow-up album, which was called Milk and Honey. Mm -hmm. That came out about a year later, and uh, and I got that as soon as it came out, and it, it was also a really great album. Mm -hmm. By that time, I was out of my high school playlist. I was right. married dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that point, so. so it doesn't it doesn't qualify for this. You couldn't. So it doesn't. Any of it. Milk and honey doesn't qualify for this. But but this out. I, I the main point I wanted to make is that I fell in love with this record before John was assassinated, and now that's incredibly special. Yeah, it, it was it was. It was so exciting to have a Beatle back. And, oh, of course, yeah. And then to have him taken away in such a yeah, such a brutal way was it was it was really a, a tricky time. In, in very, I can imagine, yeah. yeah it, it was very sad. Yeah. Su such, such a, a fucking waste. It's yeah, ridiculous. It really is. It, it's yeah. Um, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> nice moment in the playlist here, though. It's a it's a good transition because then you're you, then we got the the medley. From Abbey Road. Which, yes. So now, a lot of people who make playlists, they just like, oh, I'm just going to put songs I want to hear on there. And these yeah. people are fucking amateurs, to quote <laughs> the Goldowski again. <laughs> it needs flow. It needs rhythm. It needs reason for yes. the song placement. Exactly. So, 
great job on that going from John into mm. the medley from Abbey Road, which is just unimpeachably great. And also a great playlist move to have multiple songs that connect together. Because usually you're making a playlist, you don't want multiple songs by the same yes. artist. But you got this medley situation, or you have one song that transitions into another one yes. perfectly, including them all together. Right. Great playlist-making move, just in yes. general. So props on that. And oh, thank you. Some, some people don't understand this. Julie understands it. I understand. Julie understands understand this, it. yeah. Julie's a great playlist maker. I'm Probably a great playlist the- maker. You're a great playlist maker. Because I learn from the best. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would say as far as in my family, as far as making playlists, I, I give the crown to, to Julie. She's, I would too. I'm biased, but I would In my too. family, she's, she's the best. She's maybe some phenomenal playlist. Best playlist maker. There you go, and Julie. So. Nicely done. She, she's the one carrying the belt into the ring for that. <laughs> Walking out to Chameleon by Maynard. <laughs> <laughs> and and your your point about uh, songs that need to be played together on a playlist, uh, there are two Springsteen songs that that can't be separated. And what are those? That is uh, um, "Hungry Heart" and Tenth Avenue Freeze Out." Those songs they're 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 conjoined twins as far as okay. I'm concerned. Okay, cool. <laughs> so do you know you know what the hipster pick for best beetle is, right? Is is George. Oh, it's always George. He's the What's quiet the beetle. Oh, yeah. He's got the best sense of humor. Yeah. Wrote some amazing songs. Wrote some incredible songs. Well, my guitar gently weeps might be my favorite Beatles song. Oh, it's it, uh you you probably won't agree with this one, but something to me is is, I like that. is like one of the most perfect love songs ever written. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. That's a great song. Now, but the only thing that's going to really throw your game off on that is those both songs were written for Patty Boyd. Did not know that. Not, not problematic? <laughs> <laughs> along I'm with, okay. Along with Wonderful Tonight yeah, by Eric Clapton. <laughs> you know, you really spared me some stress by not having Eric Clapton on here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, uh, Eric Clapton... Eric Clapton only lives in the khaki years. Okay, okay. Yes. So that's, well, maybe next time you come back, we can do a, a khaki years playlist that I can just have a meltdown. Because <laughs> I gotta say, I was expecting to not enjoy this playlist as much oh. as I have. Oh, well, thank you, Jeremy. I thought, <laughs> I thought I was going to make fun of you way more. and uh, Well, until we get to the next song. Well, the next I mean, song we're... makes up for all of that. Yeah, so after the Beatles medley, we have, <laughs> we have uh, what, how do you pronounce this, Bellavia? Uh, Bellavia. Bellavia. And by... the, the name of the song, I think, was, I think it was uh, like uh, dedicated to some relative of his. Okay. Like his grandmother's And so husband. it's, it's how, how do you say his, I also don't know how to pronounce his last name. Mangione? Uh, Mangione. Mangione. Yeah. Chuck Mangione. Yes. Okay. Julie, you want to play us a little bit of this song here? Wait, I... This is an amazing section of the song. You can't keep let it ride. Let it ride. 
nice little flourish there. Letting it breathe. Remarkable. <laughs> Probably had enough, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I skipped ahead a little bit here. Where it really gets oh. hot, right? Yeah, this is this is the this is the climax. We're just we're bumping this shit. So you play this song if you can't find your 45 of muskrat love. Uh, right? <laughs> okay. What in the fuck is this song? This is <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like know, some sort of like If you're having trouble sleeping, uh-huh. and the okay. uh isn't working, you know, just it seems throw this baby on. You're in good shape. It see it like conjures images to me of um, someone like daintily frolicking in the forest. Yes. A, a, a wood nymph, perhaps. Yes. Now, I don't think there's anything objectionable Something about it, but I, it's this. But it, this is absolutely fascinating to me that anyone would get into this when they were in high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we observed earlier, I went to see this concert by myself, right? So, okay, gotcha. no, no possible chance mm. that I would be able to actually go on a date to see this guy in concert, right? Right. No possible chance. No. <laughs> Can I interject? Yes. Jessica, please. When I hear Chuck Mandrone, it makes me think of, like, New York City in the 70s. Like, cheesy New York City. Yeah. Or 80s. Like, yeah. Neil Simon. I mean... Oh, yeah. Like, um, yuppies in their apartment buildings. Yeah, doesn't this... Doesn't that make you think of, like, a walking interlude between... Uh, uh, you know, a couple walking it, in Central Park in yeah. a Neil Simon movie. Yeah. yeah. It makes me think of people gallivanting around in an enchanted forest. Mm. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Which could happen in Central Park, I suppose. Could happen. Yeah. That's... Um, yeah, I, you know, I knew that... Uh, that's why I consider this part of the list the, the cheesiest part of the list. It, it, it's a guilty pleasure. I don't really listen to Chuck much anymore, mm-hmm. uh, honestly. Uh, it, it's fairly rare that I'll pull out any of his music. It's a, it it it's, seems like something... It was of its time. Sure. And it also seems like something um, of more of like a uh, background music, perhaps, if you're doing something else. Yes. Uh, like painting. I would paint a lot to like, Chuck in the background. Yeah, it, not it, like actively yeah, it would involving leave, yourself. It would leave the, the brain clear yes. to do other activities. Mm-hmm. But, Dad, why'd you pick this one? There's this, so many others that you know, people know. Exactly. Why this one? I, I kind of tried to, for the list, I kind of tried to f- pick uh, deeper cuts. Like like for John Lennon, Watching the Wheels wasn't the biggest hit on uh, Double Fantasy. I, I wanted to pick something that was a little deeper cut. It was a hit, but it wasn't the biggest hit on the record. I tried to kind of do that for most of these songs. 
uh, like the meatloaf one, uh, which is another yeah, again pro playlist making move. You don't, you don't, you don't put all hits. Maybe sprinkle them in if you want. But. Yeah, yeah. But as a high school student, what was this song to you? Like, were you like, what was going on? With I, you know, I don't know. I, I, for, <laughs> you know, Chuck Mangione may have been a guilty pleasure in high school. Um, a lot of us band geeks did like Chuck Mangione. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably the, the geekier side of the band uh-huh. like Chuck Mangione. Not everybody. But, uh, you know, I was in jazz band in junior high and high school, so playing horns was a big deal. I played trombone, uh, and I always loved horn players and loved... Um, I also... I, I mean, I was growing up, my mom was really into jazz, so she was a big influence on me as far as music and 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 I liked other jazz artists she introduced me to Miles Davis she introduced me to Charlie Parker she uh, you know all all of those great jazz musicians not that I would put Chuck Mangione in the same category as those guys not even close but um but it was kind of an offshoot of having a real interest in jazz Mm -hmm. at that time um and uh so this is band dad kind of band geek dad yes Band was a big part of my yeah. high school career. I was. Well, who was in your band? What? Oh. Yes, interesting tidbit. Don Cheadle was in the citywide marching. Denver's band. greatest celebrity. Denver's yeah, Denver's great yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I mean. Yeah, right, no, I was not saying that sarcastically. No, at all. Right, <laughs> interestingly, right up there with uh, who's the actress that was in. Uh, yeah, she went to East High School as well. She was in the uh, Jackie Brown. Pam Greer? Pam Greer. No shit. Whoa. She also went to East High School. Oh, that's amazing. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. How did I not know that? I don't know. And you know what's funny is I met Pam Greer uh, when I was showing at uh, the art gallery downtown. She came to one of my openings. What? No way. Yeah. I'm that's walk- amazing. I'm hanging out at the gallery trying to glad hand with with all the people walking through and there's Pam Greer. Does she <laughs> does she still look amazing? She's yeah, she is. She's great. She she just she she was so, she couldn't have been kinder. Fantastic. And she she was just the coolest person gone. Probably one of the cool Well, I I can't say she's cooler than Don Cheadle. There there really isn't anybody cooler than Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle's fucking cool. He is. Um but yeah, he was in the marching band. Real quiet guy, played saxophone. Nice. Uh but yeah, he was the definition of cool back then. Awesome. <laughs> he, he never stopped being cool. No, no. <laughs> oh, another tidbit about uh, Chuck Mangione. This is really a tangent. Oh, that's good. That's his, what we his, want. Th- this is totally useless information. And Perfect. You might want to even cut this one out. Nope. Um, the guitar. <laughs> I already tell you I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally useless information. The guitar player for uh, Chuck Mangione was a guy named Grant Geisman. And he's infamous for writing the the theme song to Two and a Half Men. Oh. Really? Yes. Well, now, see, this is all coming full circle because I actually used the theme song for Two and a Half Men as the outro to one of our previous episodes. There we go. The circle is all connected. <laughs> See, everything happens for a reason. Not, not, not a useless tangent at all. <laughs> all right, so we've got two more tracks on here. We've got uh, I Still Believe in Love. 
Lucy Arnaz. Now, Lucy Arnaz. Yes. So, my when I first heard that name, wasn't wasn't um, Desi from Lucy and Desi? Wasn't his name Desi Arnaz? Yeah, he. So was, this is, but this is not. This is a Lucy. This is uh, yeah. yeah she's is, the, she is the daughter of Desi Arnaz. She's and the Lucy daughter. Ball. Okay. Yes. Okay. I gotcha. I I, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if this is like a bizarre coincidence or no. Okay. And and uh, at that time, she was legitimately uh, a singer and an actress on her own. Uh, she was coming out of uh, 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 the shadow of her parents, who were uh, titans yeah. of television, the television industry. So she, you know, she had the 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 tough duty of following up behind them. Um, but she was really good. She had a great voice. And I always th- I always liked her as an actress. I thought she was good, uh, but she made the 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 real bad casting mistake of uh, starring in the jazz singer opposite Neil Diamond, killed her career, destroyed, annihilated her career, and uh, put Sir Lawrence Olivier in the grave. It was his last. Oh my one. God! Well, no, I I think he did Clash of the Titans shortly after that, and then it was. He couldn't take it anymore, right? I mean, he this was, is all blowing my mind. He was in the movie with Neil Diamond, and it was it was the, one of the most awful films ever made. Was it? I've not seen this, Julie. Have you seen? But this? it's so bad, it's good though. Did we one watch it at their house? Oh yeah, no, we did. That's right. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I have seen this movie at your guys' house. And Dad was like, "Are you watching the fucking jazz?" <laughs> <laughs> I totally really forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> but I have come to the conclusion that with the jazz singer, and I totally ruined this movie for my wife because mm. I said, "Did she like it? She loved it. She okay. loved it so much. She bought the soundtrack. She played the soundtrack for me, and I <laughs> and 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 I watched the movie with her. And I said, Linda, this is the worst piece of crap put on celluloid. <laughs> it, it, it's unbelievably <laughs> unbelievable how bad this was." <laughs> it, it was unbelievably bad, uh, uh, and as you know, Neil Diamond never made a movie after that that I know of. I don't Never's think so. Saving Silverman. Oh, other than well, <laughs> I know that. Okay, he redeemed himself. That's a that's a long that's one hiatus of though. Movies, Dad. He redeemed himself. Saving Silverman is fucking himself. hilarious. That's one of my yeah. That's a great movie. That movie is so funny. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I am all on board for that. <laughs> <laughs> so. so so the jazz singer Neil Diamond, like how long a gap is that before Saving Silverman? What was Saving Silverman? Like ninety oh, nine? Yeah. That's and a, the jazz that's singer was like nineteen eighty, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It was followed like nineteen or so year gap there. Wait, talk about the this song. Why this song? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we'll get back to. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Should uh, I play a little bit? Yeah, play, yeah, play a little bit of yeah. it here. Maybe you can make my dream 
So for me, this is the biggest revelation for me on this playlist. I love this song, and I've never right, heard it before. Jeremy, this is a great song. Yes, this is great. Thank you. It, uh, it, this is from Broadway show called "They're Playing Our Song." Uh-huh. It was one of the last big hits that Neil Simon wrote. Okay, uh, had a decent run on Broadway, not. A real major hit that I felt like at that time that type of theater was on its way out Ronald Reagan was coming into the White House and uh, sensitive uh, male leads were Mm. you know Dustin Hoffman was his stock was going down and this type of show was probably not going to have its way anymore Uh but it was kind of the end of that era Uh, uh, like I say, the the score was written by Mar- Marvin Hamlish. I believe Marvin Hamlish and Carol Bayer Sager, who they were they were the songwriting team, the the it songwriting team at that time for Broadway. And the soundtrack is beautiful. It's it, the, the show starred uh, uh, Lucy Arnaz and Robert Klein, um, and it was a relatively big hit toured around, came to Denver, and once again, this this play and this music is very much tied to uh, Linda and I uh-huh. meeting and dating. Uh, I, I, always, <laughs> I always had a, a, a heart for musical theater because my mom did. My mom, uh-huh. uh, you know, would play uh, uh, theater soundtracks all the time. She loved, Okay. I, you know, like what the West West Side Story soundtrack was mm-hmm. worn down to a nub uh, from my mom. Uh, so I grew up with it, and I, I really grew to love musical theater growing up. And so Linda and I really connected on this show. We went and saw it when it came to Denver, and, and uh, I fell in love with the music and bought the record and played it like crazy. Awesome. Okay, yeah. so your so the show itself was your introduction yes. to the music. So you bought yes. it after. Okay, great. But I remember, yeah, I guess my first interest in the show was sparked. Uh, my mom had seen something on TV. They had shown like a, maybe it was the Tony Awards or uh-huh. something, and she and she had mentioned it to me uh, the show. Uh, I guess mainly because at the time I had such an interest in music and songwriting at the time that uh, all of those things kind of came together and Linda and I went and saw the show together. We fell in love with it. and Awesome. And I've played the record a million times. <laughs> well, it's a great song and I'm going to oh, realize Oh, thank you. I'm <laughs> definitely going to realize that. It's, it's really good. Yeah. All right. So this now this last one. Um, which Julie's going to have to go on YouTube for us here. <laughs> Get your head in the game, producer Julie. <laughs> okay, so this is Tim Curry. Yes. Okay, so I, I knew he was in Rocky Horror, which obviously he does a lot of singing. I did not know that he had any sort of musical career before three hours ago. 
Wow. I never, yeah. knew, I never knew that. It, it, you know, it's, it's something that probably most people aren't aware of. That he, he, was, he was a very serious recording artist. In fact, uh, he was signed by A&M Records, <laughs> which is a very mainstream, yeah, at the time, very mainstream commercial label. Who, you know, they, they found the Carpenters. They found uh, Burt Bacharach and Dionne Warwick. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, was, it was a label started by Herb Alpert and uh, I, f- I forget who the M is in AM, AM Records. And they saw something special in Tim Curry. And he recorded at least two records with A&M that I know of. Now, was this uh, before or before, after, or just concurrent with his acting career? I, you know, I think this record was made right after Rocky Horror okay. Picture Show. Yeah. And had he and, and is this his first record or had he recorded before? You know, I don't his, know. His like big Hollywood. I think it might have been his first okay. real record. Okay. Uh, I believe it was. And and this record I got the same night that I got the Meatloaf album. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I got both of them on the same night and uh, played them both to death. They were they were uh, between the Meatloaf record, the Tim Curry record, and Fifty Second Street and The Stranger by Billy Joel. Those those were the they they were the soundtrack to my early painting career in high school. Okay. So when I was That's painting fun. canvases in high school, mm-hmm. those were the four records that accompanied them. Okay. That's very <laughs> fun. So like most of my experience with Tim Curry was the uh, a little the television uh, m- movie version of uh, tel- the the TV movie of it. Right. Now a big box office success uh, here in 2019. So I remember him in that. He creeped the hell out of me, <laughs> and I watched it way too young, I think. And was he in Congo? Am I remembering this? I think correctly? he was in Congo. He's in Congo, right? And I, and he was also in Home Alone too. Wait a minute. Oh oh yes yes yes. yes. He works at the hotel. Oh <laughs> yes. my god! I totally forgot about that. That's like the biggest one for me. Then that's right. that's like my <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely my biggest exposure to Tim Curry. I watched that movie like a thousand times. Julie, you want to play but a this album? Song? This album is really interesting because uh, he's got a wide range of music in here. Uh, yeah. On this album, he has uh, a cover of the Beatles' "I Will." Which is oh, no really shit. interesting. He does like a reggae version of "I Will." Oh my god! He does uh, his own version of "Anyone Who Had a Heart," which was originally done by I believe I believe Dionne Warwick had the biggest hit with it. But a lot of uh, uh-huh. I think Dusty Springfield performed it. Um, uh, maybe even even Aretha performed it. But a number of soul artists report, recorded Anyone Who Had a Heart. He does it on this album, and it's a beautiful version of the song. Uh, but, and now it makes sense, because Anyone Who Had a Heart was written by Burt Bacharach, who made his bones on AM Records. Right. He covers it on here and does a beautiful job. But the song that I picked from that album is probably my favorite song on it, and it's just this really interesting story that's told... Uh, really, it's a very sensitive, probably dysfunctional relationship story in this song. And for, for whatever reason, I don't know why it resonated with mm-hmm. me. 
Um, so. I, I want to say real quick before we play the clip from it, if just the idea of Tim Curry doing a reggae version of I Will. Yes. Like, I, like that's something I would think that you'd like come up with if you were like on DMT or something. That is uh, mind-boggling Right. It, it, sounds, it, sounds like a, it sounds like a crazy idea, but we might have to uh, do uh, an, uh, an overtime play yeah, of that so, part of that. Yeah, so let's listen to Alan right now. lost in the song there. That's okay. I'm glad we let it play that long. <laughs> Got a little bit of a loungy vibe to it. You know, I feel like if you had told me, which I guess you did earlier, that Tim Curry made music, uh-huh. that's what I would have thought it was going to sound like. Yes, That makes exactly. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, still the reggae cover. I, I, I can't hear that in my brain yet, but I think we're, we'll, we'll add that to the list here. Like, why yeah, not? Yeah, I think you'll love it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep going here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why does the 
Uh-oh. This is, this is not branded content. They are not a sponsor of the Radio Cure. <laughs> 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 wow. What the fuck? If it's taking only lifetime, if you ask me to, I will. I mean, I'm This is something. Spark one up right now. Crazy. That, uh, that that sounds like it should be on tailspin. Tailspin. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of wacky. But you know what? This reminds me. There was one other record that I should have put a song on from. What was that? What? There's one other record that we're not really, out of time. Yeah, all really the time in the world. resonated. <laughs> and there's a reggae version of. A cover on this particular record that I'm thinking of, it's uh, the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers record was another one that, that was I, a big one for you that I had bought in high school, and I played that. And it was it because did you like love the movie or them on SNL or it was it was before they made the movie. Okay, uh, it was uh, seeing them on SNL. Okay. And it was a Briefcase Full of Blues, which was a completely live album. Great title. Great title. Great album cover, right? Classic. Mm. Of Jake and Elwood on the front. And he does, uh, they do a cover of the King Floyd song, um, Groove Me. Groove Me, let's hear it. Which was originally hit by King Floyd. They do a yeah. version, and they do a reggae version of it. <laughs> so it's probably why I really like the version of I Will by Tim Curry. The original Gourmet is perfect, though. It is. It's perfect. But I think you'll like Julie, this. don't be a coward. Named Julie is looking skeptical. Jeff's having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Oh. Executive decision by Julie. The original is definitely better. We're getting wild here. No problem. Julie's getting get a little bit jealous yeah. over here. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't think I've ever listened to the Blues Brother um, album after falling in love with Groove Me. By Team Floyd. Yeah. Yes. And I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. I love that was the personally Blues offensive. Brothers, but I don't like that. Okay. Well, that's fair. Now, how about. Um, how do you feel about the Blues Brothers? Uh, the the thing is, is when the Blues Brothers do uh, Soul Man, I'm a, they, I love Soul Man. They basically have the same guy on guitar. They have Steve the Colonel Cropper, who is the same guy that was a guitar player for Sam and Dave. When they when they say play it, Steve, yeah. it's the same as Sam and Dave saying play it, Steve. The same Steve. Here's and, and now here's something that I was going to mention with the Tim Curry cover. I like a cover that completely changes the sound of the song. Exactly. And, and, and what comes to mind, and I think you're a fan of this, is the cover of Comfortably Numb by Scissor Sisters. Oh, I love that. It's great. Yeah. It is awesome. It is. Like, if, if, if you're going to say a song like exactly how the original artist did it, yes. get, get, out of, get out of my face. I'll just listen to the original right. version. Do something different. Just like, okay, I'm going to really throw a test at you. Uh-oh. This, this oh, is gonna be, This is gonna be painful for you. Uh oh. This is gonna hurt you. I'm bad. getting ready. <laughs> Hotel California from Big Lebowski. Yes, the Spanish with version. John Turturro, right? The the Gypsy Kings. Yes. That's pretty I, cool. That is cool, and that is n- not on my list of songs I never need to hear again. I'll still listen to that version. Because <laughs> you can picture John Turturro holding that bowling ball. Oh yeah. And licking it, right? Licking the ball. <laughs> licking the ball. And once again, the this podcast has come full circle because we're talking about licking balls now, which is extremely on brand. In purple jumpsuits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right. Well, I think what is what is it? What does Nate say at the end of all our episodes? Uh, I think that does it for us this time. Um. Uh, subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Write a review. Um, only if it's good, though. Um, and I think with that, I think that we should just let the entire Chuck Mangioti song play us out. Julie, oh, you can either play yeah. it now or I'll add it in post. We'll see. But play it through and we can, we, we can chat. And then everybody can take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're trying to ease you into sleep with this yes, podcast. Slumber. Oh, it's okay, Julie. Here it is. I'll take a nice little walk in the forest. And everybody followed Jeff Velarde, no caps. <laughs> Hell yeah. No space between the Jeff and Velarde either. That's what threw me off when I first searched it. Mm. No space in there. 
Yeah, by the way, you can all find Jeff Velarde on Spotify. Just search Jeff, V-E-L-A-R-D-E. No spaces, no caps. No spaces, no caps. You can no dive caps. in. And some of the other lists are, are much better than this one. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. This is good. And and disappointed in how good it is. Oh! Listen <laughs> <laughs> to that sweet, sweet Chuck. Yes. Mm. You know, if Dole Whip were a song, I think it, it would be, be this. Song. <laughs> it would. Wouldn't it? Next time we get Dole Whips, yes, we're doing this. We, we're going to have this in the background. <laughs> this also sounds maybe like it could be in a, a like a Legend of Zelda video game. Huh. <laughs> here's, where get, here's where it gets hot. There it is. Drop that beat. And at this juncture of the song, oh, Chuck would be conducting the band. He wouldn't actually. Oh, that's fun. He wouldn't actually be playing the flugelhorn. And when Chuck conducted the band, he would jump. <laughs> Did he always wear that hat? He always wore like... the hat, and he was pretty short. He was probably like five foot six, maybe. And he would jump, so the guys in the back would see him. You know what just occurred to me? I think that. Um... Pharrell stole the, the Chuck Mangione's hat. Remember? Yeah. You remember the hat? The infamous hat? Yeah. It was like a, it was like an enlarged version of the Chuck Mangione hat. It was. Mm. He stole his hat. Also a small man, Pharrell. Yeah, also a smaller man. Mm-hmm. There's something smaller going on here. Yeah. 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 And you know, another, probably another reason why I really love Chuck Mangione too is at that time, junior highs and high school bands were playing a lot of Chuck Mangione. In high school, we yeah. played a lot of Chuck Mangione. Yeah. We played, uh, we didn't play this one, but we played uh, Chase the Clouds Away and the, uh, Children of Sanchez and uh, Land of Make Believe, which was also a big hit of his. And, uh, we played Land of Make Believe in marching band. Uh, we played Children of Sanchez in jazz band. So he was real popular with high school high school band. Got ingrained in you. <laughs> it did. It did. It was the hot music. It was the hot music of 1979. Chuck is a part of your heart. He lives part inside of, my heart. of you. He does live inside of me. Did you uh, march with the sousaphone? I did march with the sousaphone. Yes. Another reason why I didn't have a date for the Chuck Mangione concert. <laughs> the sousaphone? Yep. Yes, the sousaphone. I don't know why. It wasn't a chick magnet. 14-year-old sousaphone Jeff. Well, I didn't play sousaphone until high school. I, but I, I played a much more sexy instru- instrument, a baritone horn. Oh, yes. Junior high. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Girls flock for that. Yeah. That shit. Just <laughs> girls play, Dad. At least I didn't play the bassoon or the oboe. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to get you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and your soon-to-be wife was strutting around with the clarinet. But here's the difference: she didn't actually play the clarinet. She held the clarinet. 
I have a theory that I just now came up with, and that it's and this is probably a sexist thing to say, but all women play the clarinet. <laughs> I knew a dude that played the clarinet. I'm saying all every woman that's ever lived played the clarinet. <laughs> at some point or another. That's so stupid. Or the flute. Yeah, I feel like the flute is better. Or the flute. Or French horn. Oh, French horn is definitely were, a girl. You were not in band. You can't make band jokes. I knew band people. One of my best friends ever was a giant man nerd. <laughs> Way off me. <laughs> Let me just enjoy the sweet, sweet sounds of Chuck. <laughs> Get off my case. But see, the, the flip side of that is uh, girls that played the bassoon and the French horn, they weren't getting any dates either. So mm. Yeah. Okay. Girls that played flute, yeah, they were probably getting... They're little sluts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was much worse than what I said, so thank you. <laughs> well, I played the trumpet. I didn't get dates. I was the only girl. Yeah, girl trumpet. Girls don't play there trumpets. aren't that many girl trumpet players. No, no. doesn't happen. Or girl trombone players. Yeah, and Hollywood's bold. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Breaking the mold. <laughs> Jenny was clarinet. Jenny was clarinet, Yes. And she was a very good clarinet player. She was drum major. Oh. Fancy. And then, of course, Chris played saxophone. He was Joe Cool. He was, yeah. He was probably the coolest band kid yeah, in our went, family. Yeah, because he went from saxophone to drum line. Well, well, Chris is the coolest band nerd I've ever met in my life. Yes. He is. He is, <laughs> hands down. Yeah. He and Jenny. Yeah, Jenny's pretty cool. Jenny was pretty me. cool, yeah. Um, you and Holly were cool. No, we weren't. <laughs> well, on my book, you were. <laughs> we didn't play. <laughs> we hated you, you kind of followed uh, in your yeah. in your mom's footsteps on that. I think Jenny and... Uh-oh. They cared. <laughs> Once I still believe in love. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought we moved on to another check song. Right. Right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for doing oh, the podcast. You, that was delightful. What a time. It was a blast. What a time. Best episode ever. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. So much fun. Awesome. Well, and thank you, Julie, for your assistance. You did a great job. Thanks. Great producer. You have to, Julie has to be, like, tricked into ever appearing on the podcast. She's very against it. <laughs> I've, asked, I've asked her to be on several times. She's like, no. It's not true. But if we... She was actually on once. But... We just had her sitting here. She couldn't resist joining in from time to time. So good job. <laughs> you did a great job playing the music too. Well, Dad, you were you were made to be on podcasts. Oh, <laughs> you were. Well, it was you. great. <laughs> All right. Well, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>